to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. is my incredible fiancé, Todd Bushkull. Todd's participation in sport started at a young age as he followed his big brother's footsteps into motocross. He later found a love and passion for cricket, but in his own words, lacked the ability to do well at it, eventually making his way to endurance sports such as triathlon and road cycling. Todd's achievement in both sports are not just reflective of his performance, but the lessons he has learned in overcoming the injuries and obstacles. Todd touches on some of his sporting highlights as well as some of the challenges that have come up along the way. Without turning this into a love story, you could say the reason Todd and I initially bonded was because of our love, passion and dedication towards our sport. Something that a lot of our guests are touching on is the social benefits of participating in a sport and I couldn't preach it enough how beneficial it truly is. We recorded this episode six days after Todd's 12-hour ride to raise money for Brain Injury Australia. So we discuss why Todd chose to do this, the eventful lead-up, and what was going through his head in the later stages of his ride. You can find the fundraising link in the show notes. Thank you to all the weekly listeners. I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, it would mean the world if you could share it with someone who you would think would also like to listen. Let's jump on in. Hello, Todd. Hello, Fiona. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> That's all right. It feels weird using your proper name and not the nickname I have for you. But yeah, well, we can't let them, uh, can't let everyone know that one. But um, no, thanks. It's uh, it's nice to be on, and uh, yeah, uh, it still feels like a bit of a gimme on your behalf because I'm your partner. So this one doesn't count. Oh, I think it does count. I think you're deserving of a, a spot, whether you think so or not. <laughs> Thank you, Fiona. <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about your sport and how you got into it? Yeah, for sure. So I think just, you know, sporting in general, I come from quite a sporty family, but growing up, my dad and my brother were heavily into like motocross. Um, And so I started out in motocross, but, you know, I was quite hopeless at that. And I'm not sure I really enjoyed it that much either. From there, I kind of did, you know, the, the typical little athletics all that kind of stuff, cross-country running just down at the local club at Frankston. But soon after, I was probably maybe 9 or 10, I got involved in cricket. Um, and then I became really passionate about cricket. And I think the cricket was probably, for me, my first real passion about a sport just in general and something that I tried really hard in and I trained a lot for. And and I wasn't, I wasn't bad, but for the amount of effort and time I committed to it, uh, you know, I had... My granddad, you know, shout out to Pop, uh, just like throwing balls down at me, uh, bowling them down at me in the in the backyard for hours and hours on end. And then in my own time, just putting in so much time. And I, I honestly think the harder I tried, probably the worst I got. <laughs> I was blessed with uh, potentially the most ungifted genetically or whatever hand-eye coordination or ball skills that you could imagine. I uh, had no ability to sprint. I had no ability to kind of 
yeah, just just do well in that sport. So it was a bit sad. I remember at the time I was a bit sad about it because I put in so much time. But then I kind of thought, all right, I have this capacity to put in a lot of time and effort into something. So what am I going to, what's going to really reward that? And in a sporting sense, um, at the time, my brother and dad were doing triathlon. So just completely different, you know, and I never really done an endurance sport up until that point. Uh, but yeah, I thought, why not give it a crack? And then I really fell in love with it. And uh, I think, yeah, it for me, that was a real highlight of how the time you put into a sport can really be a correlation with the, uh, results. the results. Yeah, the results you get out of that sport. And so, yeah, triathlon for a few years. Through that, I kind of felt or found that I had a, a bit more of a, I wouldn't call it a talent, but I took a bit easier to the bike riding. It came more easily, I should say. And so when I was about 16, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to do the cycling, a few cycling races. And yeah, I guess that was that was basically it for the next five or six years in cycling. Some good experiences, good results, a lot of highs and lows, but that's, you know, the roller coaster that everyone rides. And again, you know, I had super high, I guess, expectations for myself and I wanted to take it as soon as I got, you know, kind of addicted to the sport. It was like, well, now I want to go ride the Tour de France one day, you know, like that was the level of thinking for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I had, you know, some good, some decent results. I was quite disciplined about it. I won a, a junior national title. I had some good... Uh, or like decent results at a national level in the in the open category, uh, but quite inconsistent. Um, you know, spent time on a few different teams, and I guess never really found my feet in the sport um, consistently. You mm -hmm. know, I, I had some good results here and there, but if you want to go anywhere, if you want to really make a name for yourself, you have to have good results all the time. And these results in. For anyone who's not familiar, they were the NRS teams that you were... Yeah, so with. National Road Series, um, Victorian Road Series. Yeah, basically just the the Australian racing circuit, I guess. Yeah, and what kind of level in terms of how far off the Tour de France were you? Oh, a long way. <laughs> a long way. Uh, I think there was a few... like Yeah, a long, long way. Um, there was a few moments uh, where... There was, I would call them like could have beens. Um, for example, when I won the junior national title, uh, I was approached by the head coach of the, the Victorian Institute of Sport at a race a few uh, about a month later. And they said, you know, well, we're super interested in you. We want to have you come along. Uh, in that race that I had a chat to them, I had a really bad crash. I couldn't ride for three months after. I was having skin grafts and it was my first major crash. And basically, you know, sent off some emails and text messages to them and uh and yeah basically got nothing back and didn't want to know you if it, it was quite you know it's quite a cutthroat sport uh and yeah i mean i've had i guess a, a bit of bad luck in terms of some bad crashes and stuff yeah. but then i've also had good luck in terms of race results but I mean, at the end of the day, there's no excuses. If you have the ability and the dedication to it, regardless of, you know, I mean, barring a major incident, regardless of what happens to you or the opportunities that come and go, you will, you will make it in the sport. And so for me, I kind of reached a level, like a decent level, but then couldn't kind of break through that next level. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, that's kind of my time in cycling. And so was it three years ago you decided? Yeah, so I actually went across to France for about three months, racing with a French team, a cycling French team over there. I met a really good friend, Jack. Shout out to Jack. Um, hey, Jack. <laughs> hey, Jack. Um, he, this is all his fault. He basically <laughs> said to me one day, I remember we were sitting in the cafe and he said, oh, I'm going to go and uh, try and do a triathlon or get involved in triathlon. I think it'll be interesting. And I thought, oh, man. You know, at the time, I wasn't, um, hadn't lost complete you know motivation for cycling but it was really my eyes were opened to the fact that I really can't sprint Mm. Uh, and I think that in cycling you really need to be able to sprint well unless you're going to be a a really great climber or time trialist which I wasn't really great at either of them so I thought man what's going to be you know reward just having fantastic endurance which is basically all that I had Uh um and I kind of looked at him and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that too. And so thanks, Jack. <laughs> came, came back from, from there and, uh, yeah, I thought, why not get involved in triathlon? And then in particular, what really interested me was the, the longer triathlons, so the half Ironmans and even full Ironmans, which I haven't got to yet, but hopefully one day. And did that motivation come from your dad who had done Kona a few years prior? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And even being, so dad's been to Kona, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's the world championships for the, the full distance Ironman. Uh, and so, yeah, he's a super inspiration for me. Uh, the fact that he, cause not many people just getting there is a huge achievement. Yeah. And the fact that he's gone there and he's done it twice. And the second time he went 2000 and, uh, I think 15, 16, 2016, maybe from memory got to go over there and I took my bike and just the atmosphere and and the whole you know vibe of that being at the world championships was amazing so yeah that's that's how you got into triathlons yeah basically so you've been through a few sports and you touched on the cricket one but is there a specific moment that you knew you were passionate about your sport all the sports so cricket was the first passion for sport yeah um so in terms of triathlon and cycling because i i I say them as kind of one because Mm -hmm. like uh even though i'm really passionate about triathlon i'm still super passionate about cycling as its individual sport too i think for that it's really hard to pinpoint you know an exact moment right but i do recall and it's probably I was probably 14 years old and just starting to get involved in triathlon and we were on a with the Mornington Peninsula triathlon squad every Saturday morning they would do a a long ride right and I remember this long ride in quotation marks for anyone who can't see quotation marks was I think it was 60 kilometers right but for for people, I look back at that now and I, and I think that's funny, right, that it's such a small ride. But for people who, are, who aren't trained in cycling or triathlon or whatever, yeah, you know, it's a long way. I don't think I could ride 60 kilometres. And I remember, I remember being about halfway through and everyone was saying to me, oh, you know, just keep, keep eating. And I was eating lollies and I was drinking and my legs were like really burning and, and I remember we got to this one absolute mountain uh, and it was Mount Martha. (laughs) So 
so it and it's for anyone who doesn't know Balcombe Hill it's off um Nepean Highway or Nepean Road whatever it's called uh and it's about I don't know 500 meters long yeah massive and mountain massive mountain and, and my legs were so sore and I just look, remember looking up at it and I thought no way am I no, like I can't get up to that no like it's impossible I'm, I've still got 25 kilometers to go this is impossible and I remember halfway up and my dad I think my dad shout out to dad he was even like giving me a bit of a push up there too <laughs> and I think I was almost crying I wasn't crying but I was it was so painful and so hard and so impossible at the time but then I remember I think you know getting to the top of that hill I thought man you know this is just like the most amazing incredible experience of just overcoming that challenge mm. and and I remember people saying to me it never gets easier you just go faster yeah. And that's so true because that same pain that I felt on my very first long ride is the exact same pain you feel now in anything hard that you do. You just go so much faster. Exact same pain? Oh, similar, similar, <laughs> similar pain, right? We'll touch on what I mean by this in a moment. Exact uh, same pain. So, but, yeah, I think that moment was quite special and it was kind of planted the seed in my head that, okay, look, that was so difficult and hard, but the feeling of overcoming just that, for me, what felt like a mountain and then just pushing through that pain and overcoming that pain then taught me that, all right, if I just keep doing that enough, I'm going to improve. Mm. And if I just keep doing more and more and more, I'm going to improve. And yeah. Get better. And that's been the same through all your sporting experiences then. Pretty much. Yeah. And I think a sport like cycling or triathlon, it's, it really rewards people who don't have a lot of talent if that makes sense. Like, it, you need a, a baseline, I guess, ability to be able to do it. But if you have a mentality of, uh, you know, being able to put in the hard work, the consistent hard work, then you really get rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I think shorter distance things, you can get away with doing the bare minimum. But if you want to do anything long, long distance, three, four, five, or maybe call it five plus hours, you really can't escape doing the time and effort and putting in that hard work. Yeah, you got to train to get there. Yeah. So what are any significant milestones in terms of your wins, your losses, your injuries along your sporting journey? I know of a few, but is there any that really stand out to you? Okay, significant milestones. In terms the good or the bad or, or everything? All of it. Um. Well, in terms of good, because we don't want to be downers, I think I've had, you know, some really good, uh, I think, results and achievements. Uh, my first major one, I guess, was winning the under-19 national title. Uh, and that was so sweet for me because I basically committed four months of just insane discipline, insane diet, insane everything training. And I was so new to the sport as well. I'd only been cycling for probably maybe a year by the time the race came around. But I just put in so much effort that when it when it really all kind of compounded into one result um, and such a big result for me, that was like, I guess that was a real, you know, reinforcing of the fact that, okay, the more I invest, the better I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, and so that was a real, that was a key kind of highlight for me. And that was in 2013 when you were in year 12. In year 12, yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, that was a great moment. Uh, I had some other good moments, you know, in triathlon, I guess, Geelong 70.3. It was my first Ironman 70.3 race. I'd done the distance before, Mm -hmm. but I won that, and that was quite, you know, a good moment. Uh, And some other races in and around, some great experiences riding the break breakaway from Melbourne to Warnable was quite quite amazing you know such a one of the longest races in the southern hemisphere 280 Mm. odd kilometers being in a group of 10 guys that were 10 minutes ahead of the bunch you know like that was pretty incredible and so a lot of good moments but I guess some of my best moments in sport haven't been like the the results it's been the process and the friendship groups and the social aspect of it kind of accompanies it along the way. Yeah. Um, and cycling in particular, like that's, that's such a special aspect of cycling that I don't think many other sports really, you know, present yeah. is that social uh, kind of teamwork uh, and the friendships that you make along the way. And the, the bunch boys, oh, the Saturday yeah. the morning Saturday. bunch. The, the Saturday Mornington Cycling Group bunch is just like, that's just another level of uh, excitement. Uh, and it's like, no, it is. Like, it's like I look forward to every week, you know. And there is something about being in a bunch with your lycra and your helmet on that really brings down a lot of boundaries. Mm. Uh, and you can say things or open up about things that you really wouldn't Elsewhere. otherwise. Yeah, yeah it, it's special. The, the social aspect of sports is special. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've really found beneficial along with the lessons of discipline and, and whatnot. So they're your wins and, the, and you know, the highlights. Have you had any losses or injuries? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've lost a lot, a lot of, lot of money. No, um, so, <laughs> brain cells. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of brain cells. Um, I think definitely a lot of low points in sports, but you know, I think that in a strange kind of twisted way, that's, that's really been beneficial as well. I remember shortly after my big win of the national title in year 12, I had a super bad crash and I was in hospital a few times having skin grafts and operations because I lost so much skin. Like I didn't break a bone. I just lost so much skin that I was in and out of like having uh, like plastic surgeries. And, but that was to me, that was like, all right, you know, this is real world. Like sport, people kind of disassociate sports and think, okay, that's your sport. You do that, then you stop, and then you go back to normal life. Mm. But cycling for me really had a huge impact on my normal life yeah. beyond beyond just the sport itself. And I think that having bad crashes like that, so that was my first major one. My, my worst crash, I'd say, was at Tour of Murray River. Uh, I think it would have been 2014, yeah. so a year later. I basically went into the back of a dual cab ute uh, at about 40 kilometers an hour, uh, come to a complete stop. And the fact that I even walked out of hospital the next day is a miracle. Uh, and didn't break my break my neck or my spine or or anything mm. uh, is very lucky. Yeah. But you know, in that accident, lost like complete knocked out, loss of consciousness for five or ten minutes, and then obviously don't remember like the entire thing. All the yeah. entire, most of the, that whole day. And, you know, super lucky to walk away with it. But I think that any time you do that to your body, you really don't get off scotch-free. Mm. And I never really expected what was to come thereafter. It was, you know, quite a difficult time, difficult year. 
probably even two years to probably actually recover from that. Um, a lot of post concussion issues, um, which I'd never really even pinpointed to that incident at the time. I just thought, what's going on with me? You know, like I'm broken. Yeah, you've um, gone from getting ducks of the school and yeah, you know, basically cycling really well to really struggling. Yeah, just everything. Um, and so the year, you know, in the months after that, I started uh, university. I was studying osteopathy at Bikini, uh, and I just couldn't couldn't handle it had to go back to part-time study load so I was only doing two units and I pretty much failed everything yeah uh, and that wasn't through lack of effort that was just uh I guess a result of the fact that you know I was I was in a different my brain just couldn't couldn't handle it I couldn't uh, couldn't learn couldn't retain information couldn't uh I could apply some focus but then it was like 10 minutes later everything I learned was gone and yeah it was pretty hard to to deal with you know, especially coming off the back of getting ducks of our school, doing okay in my year twelve. Doing okay, you got the ducks. I did okay, <laughs> but you know, then again, I like in a strange way, like I wouldn't change that because overcoming that and wait, but we're having to wake up every morning and kind of face that music of all right, this is the reality now, and then getting through it and, and you know moving on and making a choice in in every single moment to to not, I guess, be a victim of it, but what can I do now that's going to help me tomorrow? Mm. And that's and that's harder than anything I've ever done in sport. Yeah. Because that's was a reality every single day of my life, you know. For that period of time. For that period of time. And so the amount I suffered in just in my daily life and reality in that aspect or in that period of time was, you know, no amount of suffering I could ever endure through sports could amount to that right mm. but then I know how lucky I am and that's not lost on me either because any amount of suffering that I went through could never equate to what other people go through when they have similar incidents or just misfortunes in general and so the fact that now I've recovered from that now but the fact that uh that I can even do what I do today is not lost just how lucky I am and so why I wouldn't change that is I guess because it gives me that feeling of appreciation and gratitude because so many people will never have the opportunities you know that that i'll have mm. yeah and that came from the 2014 crash that, the 2014 the crash that followed yeah. yeah so i guess i'm gonna bring this up because <laughs> you did triathlon and your mentality of how hard you can push will get you results mm. got you another unexpected surprise what happened last was it april uh yeah so last so april 2019 do you want to tell that story yeah i can tell that story, tell that story. <laughs> so basically todd had a sore hip but we just thought it was you know what what, what do you think tendinopathy tendinopathy I think was the, the diagnosis yeah so we basically thought it was something muscular nothing too serious and then, when did you do it? Challenge Melbourne. Challenge Melbourne, April 2019, yeah. So you'd just done, was it the Geelong race then? You came off Geelong. Yeah, Geelong had a really good result. In Feb? In Feb. And then, you know, a month or so later, Challenge Melbourne came along, which is another half Ironman distance. And mm. I guess they're pretty close together now that we look back on it. Yeah, and, and again, you know... Uh... A reflection on kind of my mentality was 
all right, I had a great race at Geelong. I think that was a real breakthrough for me. But at the time, I'm like, oh, man, I'm still running so slow. So now I'm just going to do like a hitch, like a, 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 a lot. <laughs> you try not to swear. I'm going to do a lot of running between now and the next six weeks. And I think I did about two weeks and then I got this really sore hip um, because I probably never gave myself enough time to recover from Geelong. Yeah. Um, you know, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so race day comes. He's been limping for the last few weeks, barely able to walk, <laughs> gave the running a little bit of a cut back but race day came and Todd's were going really really well you were were you first off the bike I was I was leading the race until 10 k's um, to go Jimmy came past me about oh no about 6 k's to go I reckon yeah it was always going to happen because he was absolutely flying but might have been out of hold on for a second I don't know and then all of a sudden so James comes past we've gone to the finishing shoot to expect Todd to run through in a few minutes. And then Kelv comes down and we're mm. like, oh, okay, like that's right. Kelvin's a great runner. And then Todd's dad runs a kilometre or so down the down the road to find him. And he's like, he's not in a good way, trying to encourage you and explain the shoot, what happened in the finishing shoot. Yeah, well, long story short, thanks for that prelude, Fiona. Um, long story short, I basically would have started that race with uh, either like a, a small fracture or a, a start of a stress fracture in my hip, which explained the reason I probably couldn't hardly walk. Uh, sh- should have been an ind- indication that I shouldn't have been running a half marathon, uh, let alone doing it after swimming and riding for three hours. But yeah, I, I think in the last couple of Ks of that race, I actually you know completely fractured my hip. Um, and God knows why I didn't think that then would be a good time to stop. I just thought, ah, you know, like she's a bit sore, but I don't know. We'll get to the finish line and and see. And basically, yeah, I finished that race and wouldn't walk for the next six weeks, wouldn't run for the next eight months. And what have we learnt out of that? Oh, like lessons all the way. Always lessons. Lessons, that was a bit, yeah, just listening to the body, I guess, you know. Uh, But also respecting you know when to push and when to back off yeah and the difference between good pain and bad pain I think too but again you know that moment why you know all my experiences through sports and then how that affected my life up until that point when I did actually realize I broke my hip I was going to have two metal screws put in the next day surgery whatnot I mean like I got sad about that but I was never really I never. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, okay, that's the reality. How do we go from here? What can Mm -hmm. we do from here? You know, what can I focus on in the meantime? What can I do in the meantime that's going to get me back? And again, not not saying you, not to be upset about things like that, but I think having had probably worse experiences has conditioned me, I guess, in a sense, to not, you know, consider that the worst thing in the world. Mm. Uh, And even having had that and having not been able to run for six, seven, eight months, I now have an even greater appreciation when I can go run down the street, even if I'm limping a bit, because it's still like, painful. Uh, it's a touch, always going to be a touch funny, I think, just having metal in my hip. Um, but just an, another appreciation and gratitude to be even able to do that, having had that taken away from me in the past. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So probably wouldn't change that either. 
wasn't a fun time, but glad it's um, past us now. <laughs> what are the benefits sport has provided you as an individual that has transferred over to other avenues of your life? I think sport has been a really good outlet for me mm. in general. You know, it has been an outlet through for me throughout school, uh, throughout university, throughout anything else, you know, I've done. It's always been it's always been something I can go to that's I say that it's not separate, but it can, you know, it can really just like be kind of something that takes your mind away from everything else. Yeah. Um, so that's been a huge benefit, just that even meditative aspect of, you know, going for a bike ride and not having to worry about anything else has been quite good. Um, the social aspect, again, you know, the friendships I've developed, uh, cyclings and triathlon also really enables you to to make friends with people of all ages, especially as a young person um, to be able to, you know, have mates who are 60 years old, mates who are 70 years old, um, be training with people who are almost 80 years old, um, and then people who are also younger than you or middle age. You know, it's quite special, and I think that's been a real benefit too. Again, the, I guess the lessons of what comes with discipline and the results that can come with discipline has been a benefit too, and that's something that I can, I guess, apply to other aspects of my life um, in terms of my studies, in terms of everything I'll do thereafter is that, you know, that discipline um, and putting in the hard work and with the hard work comes rewards. And to give an example of that last point, you have just been accepted into medicine. Congratulations. <laughs> it's very exciting. How did the discipline you learnt in sport transfer over into getting into medicine? I think it just gives you another perspective of what like real hard work is. Mm. Uh, and so it raises, to it's hard to explain, but it, I guess it raises that threshold as to what you consider is hard. Yeah. And so when I kind of thought, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, drop sport for six months and just go all in for the GAMSAT, which is the medical school entrance test, all in for the interviews, all in for getting my GPA as best I can. It really wasn't hard for me to go, okay, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. Mm. And then I'm going to stop studying at 12 p.m. Mm. 12 a.m. 12 a.m. Midnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 12 a.m. Yeah. yeah. So, And basically, um, obviously, you don't study an entire time, but to just to have that, okay, this is what I'm going to do today, this is what we're going to do all day, this is what we're going to do all day tomorrow for the next six months. And, like, you know, there are no Saturday and Sunday. This is just it. Yeah. And, and in a sense, you know, with what happened with the lockdown um, and the coronavirus and, and whatnot, that almost kind of played to my advantage of, all right, now all distractions are out the window. It's just all in for this. Mm. And I think, you know, having that ability to to really, I guess, work towards those goals helped me getting into medicine. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself the, the smartest tool in, or the sharpest tool in the shed, but I think uh, having the the work ethic and the motivation to do that or even just the discipline, because the motivation doesn't always stay, but yeah. the discipline does. Yeah. So, yeah, I think just applying that really helped me throughout that process. And when the offers came out for medicine, I was at least, if I didn't get in, I was at least going to look back and think, okay, there was not one stone left unturned that I could have done or if I had done this or, so, you know, that would have helped me. I was going to do absolutely everything I possibly could. Yeah. Uh, and whether I got in or not was, you know, that in God's hands, but um, 
yeah, there was going to be no stone unturned. And I think that the lessons I learned through sport really helped to apply that to my studies. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not all, uh, you know, it wasn't easy. And you, and you lived that too, I guess you lived those maybe three months in particular that you hardly even saw me, even though we were living in the same house. Yeah. We didn't spend time together and it wasn't that you were off doing nothing. You Mm. were off working towards your goals and Mm. that dedication I guess I've known it was there since since you started, I guess, triathlon or cycling. Mm. Um, but it's the same dedication that you apply to the sport that you applied to your study. Yeah. And it obviously paid off. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's, um, you know, it kind of makes me laugh. I hear a lot of people, not, not a lot of people, but some people will be say, oh, you know, you must be like lucky or you must be good genetics or whatever. Mm. and uh, and I am very lucky like I am very very lucky to be in a position to do what I do Mm. and that's not lost on me for one second I'm so lucky to be able to be in a position to do what I do but then on the same token everything that I do do comes purely off the back of hard work and sacrifice yeah that's what allows you to excel at what you do yeah it's not there's no luck in that yeah and some people will achieve amazing things off the back of just pure I guess, talent or academics or, or gift, uh, but that's not me. Um, but I wouldn't want it to be either because mm. it wouldn't feel as sweet when it pays off. Mm. Yeah. And in saying that, is there a lesson you've learned along the way that you want to share? Yeah, I think a big lesson uh, is to, and this this applies to sports, but also to just in general life, is to embrace the good but also embrace the ugly and the bad Mm. because whilst we want to really enjoy our victories and our wins the lessons that we get from our losses and our setbacks and our failures are almost so much more valuable Mm. Uh, and so really embrace it all you know there's only certain lessons we can learn when we're in certain feelings of defeat or or whatnot Uh, and so to always just be winning or to always be doing well I think uh, you can get quite content with that yeah. and having those setbacks and having that adversity shouldn't be something we see uh, as an annoyance while it is. It should really be seen as an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to, to overcome that will be more satisfying than that, than that win, yeah. you know? And then I guess like another lesson is just having had setbacks. I think it's, I've get, got another a real appreciation is to, Never, ever, ever take what you do for granted, Mm. you know, because sometimes it can feel like you don't want to go and do that session or you don't want to do this or that. But at the end of the day, the mere fact that you can wake up and you've got both arms and legs and you've got a brain that works, you know, you're already ahead of so, so many people in the world. And so so never, ever, 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 ever take that for granted, you Mm. know, and I will never take that for granted now having had it kind of taken away from me in bits and pieces throughout the last five, six, yeah. seven, eight years. Yeah. And if for every moment that I can do something, if I can challenge myself, if I can push myself, I'm going to do it because, you know, I'm, I appreciate that I'm super lucky to be doing that. Mm, yeah, that's a good lesson. Mm. So I know the answer to this next question because it's 
been a big thing in the last week of our lives. Can you tell the audience about a project you've been involved in where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community? What I just recently did last Monday, my 12-hour ride, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, I mean, that was raising awareness and funds for Brain Injury Australia, which is one of the, like, the central bodies of information and research development for for brain injury. Um, I think that that's, you know, been a real, probably been one of the biggest things that I've done in terms of, like, a, a giving back to the community kind of thing through sports. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, you know, I spent the whole year studying, sat on my, sat on my bottom, bottom for, <laughs> for, for, you know, six months, basically did nothing. And then I thought, all right, I'm going to do 12 weeks of training and then I'm just going to ride my bike for 12 hours. And the reason why I actually saw uh, a triathlete on YouTube had done, had done a 12-hour ride um, and they rode like over 500 kilometers or something stupid. Wow. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to go do a 12 hour ride and that'll be like an amazing challenge to train for and do. But then quickly my kind of focus turned to, well, how can I actually make this about something positive and something, you know, special that's not all about me. Yeah. Cause I think in sports we do so much that is all about us. Mm. Right. And it's such a dedication and sacrifice, but at the end of the day, <laughs> it's all just about me. Yeah. Right. I want to go and do that sub four hour half Ironman or four hour 10 half Ironman, whatever. I want to go and do this Ironman race. I want to go and do this and I want to go and do this and you're just going to support me. Like it's, it's very selfish. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for people who, who do push themselves in that, you know, kind of aspect or like that way, but it's still at the end of the day, quite a selfish thing that we do. Mm -hmm. And so to have an opportunity, I guess, to give back or to at least kind of, if I, you know, if I made one person aware of the effect that concussion or uh, the effect that even mild traumatic brain injury can have on others' lives or or anything, you know, then I'm going to be deeply satisfied because even though I lived through a very, very mild form of that for a year or so and then I returned to normal, uh, I appreciate that some people never, ever recover. Yeah. And some people what some people go through is just you know yeah horrendous horrendous, yeah uh and so to again when i'm out there for 12 hours and i'm and i'm suffering and it hurts i have a reason and motivation because i know that no matter what i can put myself through in 12 hours it will never surmount to what some people go through over their lives Mm. you know um but yeah that was so yeah that was on monday uh what are we now sunday yeah less than six days days ago. ago so i'm still I'm pretty good now, but, um, well, can you tell us the lead up towards that? So you said you were, you trained for 12 weeks, really you trained for about eight weeks and then what happened? Yeah. I mean, it was, I did about eight weeks of good training, uh, pretty much all on the, the home trainer though. Yeah. So basically didn't like ride outside once in those eight weeks and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and ride outside and because, I mean, if I'm going to go ride outside for 12 hours, I want to at least ride outside once <laughs> <laughs> because it's different, right? Yeah. Um, you got to go around corners and you've got to use your muscles to stabilize you cause you're moving. Um, and I went, yeah, I went down to the, where to, the event was being held. Yeah. To Casey fields. Yeah. So 
the reason why I did the ride out at Casey Fields Criterium Circuit was because it's a closed track. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I'm going to go ride for 12 hours, who knows, I might pass out. I'm not doing it on the road. Yeah. I'll get run over. Um, and also the attitude towards cyclists isn't great. Oh, yeah. 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 So I thought, you know, that's going to be safe. And so I went out, it was about two weeks before I was planning on doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically had a run in, like we were there and this, this is a dedicated bike circuit yeah. and there's people pushing their prams, there's people like Sunday going for walk. Sunday walks and it was Sunday. So it was, it was busier than probably normal, uh, but basically had a bit of an altercation with a, Family. with a, yeah, with it, with a few people down there and ended up kind of getting a bit assaulted. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, the, and to say, like, put this, not bluntly, but to put this in perspective, Todd and his dad were down there. His dad was running on a track op opposite or around mm. somewhere and saw what was going down, came over, and at the end of the day, Todd's dad ended up in hospital. So Yeah, and, and, he, and he was okay. But I think what, what I didn't, and again, you know, well, like this is sports as a, as a life learning, yeah? Yeah. Because, again, we've gone down to, to go for a bike ride and, and there's some pretty uh, heavy life experience happening here. Yeah. Um, because I've been, and, and you get it all the time. You, people say they're going to kill you. You're out riding your bike. People want to kill you. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe that. Like they do, like genuinely. Like, and this is not, this is the, the very odd percentage. So don't think I'm just being dramatic. No. But some people, they want to kill you. Yeah. If you go for a bike ride, they want to kill you. Like that's just the sad reality of the world we live in. And I'm saying some, like I mean some yeah. this is definitely not the majority but some do and so i've had that and i've had people chasing me and i've had people threatening me and all of that and i kind of brush it off and go well, whatever but i think that being down in a position you know where, where there's like four huge guys yeah. like you know 100 plus kilo guys and then it's you know me and dad a couple of 70 60 kilo cyclists being in a position like that, especially I think with a family member, really affected me a lot more than I would have expected. Yeah. Uh, because just that feeling of vulnerability and helplessness in that situation, I thought, you know, it that could be, you know, what if it was me and you down there? Oh, you yeah. know, what if it was me and you down there in five, ten years when we got our own family? Mm. Uh, and I think that there was a lot of emotions that kind of, uh came out after that um also the fact that i again somehow managed to get bitten by like a an insect of some sort or a, some some creature that i think it was a bee bit me uh and then i got a cellulitis infection and was in hospital for a couple of days on iv antibiotics didn't do me any favors because you know super busy dealing with that and then all these kind of emotions that from what happened were kind of delayed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it didn't really hit you because what was it, the Tuesday you went into hospital? No, the Monday. Monday went into hospital, Tuesday night, got admitted because it wasn't improving, came out on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. afternoon, yeah. But, so that's from Sunday to Wednesday afternoon, all this has happened. Yeah, yeah. It was two a, weeks out. Super eventful. <laughs> yeah. Um, two weeks out uh, and also I was like so... I was so upset because I'd been, I'd had the same thing happen to me before about three years ago or two. Cellulitis. Cellulitis. Uh, and 
I was on IV antibiotics and I, I honestly think it took me months to recover because I don't know what it is, but just having the whole, you know, biome and, in, and intestinal bacteria destroyed, I really think it has a bigger impact than people appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and than people that people actually, you know, give respect to, you know, they think, oh, you finished the antibiotics. And so then the, the day that you finish them, you're fine again. Yeah. But it's that hidden impact that no one sees what the antibiotics have done to your body. Yeah, well, by no means are you a doctor yet, but they are doing research. Well, on it. well, uh, anti uh, biotic biotic means life, so it's anti life. Yes. Yeah, so they they kill you. No. <laughs> no, but again, you know, super grateful with the fact that they have access to such treatments because I probably would have died from the cellulitis if uh, if I couldn't. Yeah, and so, the fact that you've been through it before, we knew what to do. We knew mm. that we were drawing circles on your leg and we were doing it every few hours and watching it grow. And yep. it did take you probably a little bit longer than last time to allow us to take you to the hospital because you knew that yeah. you didn't want to do it. Yeah, and I think I was quite resistant just because I knew, like I've had this ride come up and I knew how much it had affected how my performance for so long in the past. Yeah. I thought I just don't want to take antibiotics. Yeah. But, you know, there comes a point where you think, well, do I want to live? And <laughs> do think, you want your ah, leg? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the antibiotics. Yeah. Which is, like, incredible that then, what was it, two and a half weeks later, you backed it up. Three weeks? Two and a half after you um, got out of hospital? Oh, after, yeah, two week, uh, two and a half weeks. So it would have been a couple, about two weeks after I stopped my last antibiotics. Yeah, I mean, I only put it off a few days just because... You know, like if you commit to something, there's no point pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back because you'll never do it. So yeah. I just thought, no, we're going to do it. Go out there and just – because, again, it's different, right? Because the cause wasn't about – it wasn't all about me and the performance no. and, and how far I could ride. Correct. It was about the process and it was about, you know, something bigger than myself, which was trying to do my uh, my best to raise awareness and, and funds for – for brain injury Australia. Yeah, and so we're sitting here a week later and you've raised three and a half grand currently. Yeah, three and a half thousand dollars. Which yeah. is amazing. And you know, people have been asking me about brain injury and, and how it affected you and why you did the ride, which is absolutely incredible that now people are asking these questions. So you have raised awareness. Yeah. And again, and again, I don't like to frame that as in like you know, how brain injury has affected me because I think what I went through was so, so minor as to what some people go through. Mm. But on the same token, having had that experience, just knowing that some people go through such severe, you know, um, life-changing uh, injuries and whatnot, I think that really inspired me to want to um, do something that, and if it helps, you know, one person, then I'm, I'm beyond stoked with that. Yeah, and yeah. that's amazing. And the weather on the day was horrendous. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we basically, the 10 days in and around were all basically sunny and no wind. Uh, and then the day we had was big storm, like thunderstorms. Uh, and the truck actually got there and I did a lap just to make sure the track wasn't underwater. Uh, but it was. Yeah. It, it was underwater. And so I was just, you know, I spent the first probably two or three hours riding around just super cautious trying not to do anything in the yeah. whilst the track was flooded uh and then it you know it dried up eventually uh but then the wind started mm. 
<laughs> and then it was even harder. So <laughs> I think it was probably about 2 p.m. Because you were very happy while it was raining because it wasn't that windy. Yeah, you, yeah. you'd and, rather have rain than you've been wind. Yeah, so at about 2 p.m., the smile on your face was yeah. gone. You were, you know, you'd been riding, what was that, six, uh, seven hours by then? Yeah, in between. Yeah. yeah. And what really kept you going at that stage? I think... And this isn't, and again, like, I don't mean to sound arrogant when I say this, and I, I'm, there is a component of the fact that, you know, I am doing something that's greater than me that, and that is a greater cause that did keep me going. But on the same token, I mean, I, I've never been someone who needs motivation to do something. I've never been someone who needs a kick up the butt to, to kind of carry on and do something. Mm. You know, I find that internal, I guess, motivation within myself. Yeah. Uh, and... And if anything, I need someone to tell me to stop, to back off, you know, like, no, that's my issue. Well, that's because my I job. Because it's almost like a switch that I don't have that allows me to back down. Yes. And so even when, you know, the wind starts picking up pretty bad, I think it was 25 kilometer an hour winds, which out there, if anyone's ever been out there, feels like a million kilometer an hour winds because they just something about it. Yeah. Very open area. But it was... It was never, I need to kick up the butt to keep going. It was, I'm so angry that my speed's dropping. Let's go even harder. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, but also on the same token, having every, like, I can't thank everyone enough who came out to support because it was incredible and I never expected that. Yeah. Uh, and it was so special seeing everyone there and giving up their days. Some people giving up their entire day just to, to see or be there to support me was just amazing. Yeah. And that really kind of took me back as to like all that support that I had. Like that last maybe two hours when people started going out on the track with you. Oh, yeah. That really lifted you. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because you battled with the wind and you were getting really mad and you were pushing really hard and there was nothing really any of us could do and no one could keep up with you at that stage. <laughs> yeah. I think, and that's, I mean, it was super hard conditions for it on the day, but on the same token, even if it was perfect condition, it was, it was going to be just as hard. Yeah. I just would have gone further. Yes. Like significantly further. But on the same token, the only reason, like the, the real, I guess, factor that attracts me to a, to doing something like that is knowing that at some stage in those 12 hours, there's going to be a time where, you know, you're going to make a choice in that moment to pull the pin. mm and, and it's all going to be too hard or you're going to think, you know what, everything's hurting, everything's like screwed up, mm. you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to keep pressing on or am I going to stop? And so. your, your dad said to me about two and a half hours left, he said, he's hurting but he's a bush school and he's not going to stop. And I was like, yep, that is true. <laughs> yeah. So, no, again, like that, I can't with the conditions, with the lead up, with everything, not making excuses. And I mean, I... Had I done it again, I basically rode my, my bike outside, my time trial bike outside, I think twice. Yeah. Twice within the last probably 10 months. Mm. And if you're going to go ride for 12 hours, you probably want to ride it outside on the road moving a bit more than that. So, like, I did a lot of training, but, yeah, I mean, how the day all turned out, the support I had, how, how everyone really, you know, embraced it and got around me and helped me through was just, like, yeah, I was so taken back by that, and I'll never, 
Like I'll never forget that support that I had. It was, yeah, it was, it was, unex- I shouldn't say it was unexpected because, you know, there's a lot of beautiful people, but it was just like really, it was really, really Touching. beautiful to see. Yeah. yeah. And to, to be, you know, I don't often like to be the center of attention, but I think, yeah, it was really uh, moving to have everyone out there. Yeah. And yeah. it was moving for us to watch you do it as well. And mm. yeah, that last few laps that last half an hour was really exciting and we had the puppy there and yeah you cracked a smile when you saw him at the side yeah 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 a lot of people really surprised me yeah uh with the support that they that they came out with so it was was great in saying that like it's a great thing we could do a whole episode on the 12 hour ride but where do you see the future of sport well, for me, I see the future of sport probably as going for the twelve hour record. Uh, oh no, please no! <laughs> because because having having ridden uh, around four hundred and sixty five kilometers in twelve hours and only being less than thirty kilometers off the record, I think, oh man, like if I really got serious, I could do it. But no, no. All jokes aside, I think that the future of sport. I think sport's really moving in a positive direction for everyone uh particularly grassroots uh, and getting you know kids but even even adults who had never been involved in sports getting them involved and i think it's becoming a lot more accessible to everyone i really i really think and i think that even clubs and so this is in terms of endurance you know cycling triathlon clubs are becoming a lot less exclusive and a lot more inclusive yes so you know, your basic triathlon club now really does consist of mums and dads and, and kids who just want to go out and challenge themselves. Yeah. And they all have a common interest. And I think that's really special because, you know, while high performance is great and that exclusivity of being like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go out right with the best athletes and all that, like that's whatever. It's really not the point. Mm. You know, really having a supportive network around you I think is is super beneficial, uh, especially for people trying to get involved. And so I think that sports is only going to become more accessible mm-hmm. in terms of those kind of entry level um, and the support networks for and people trying to get in, which I think is um, is super awesome. Uh, but also in terms of endurance sports, I think I think it's just going to get more crazy and more crazy because you know we're already seeing Ironman used to be like the pinnacle. Now and it's now, Ultraman. And now there's Ultraman. And then there's even um, there's some other man uh, <laughs> who probably just you know like the, what we're seeing in endurance just gets more and more yeah uh, and so in five ten years from now we'll probably have a a mega man and it'll just be like you just yeah I don't know around the world or something you swim around the world I don't yeah it'll go get more and more crazy but I think in general yeah the future of sport. I can only see that it's becoming more accessible for everyone. Yeah. And that's really positive to see. In terms of like high level, it's always going to be cutthroat. Even now more than ever, it's probably more cutthroat because when you've got money, when you've got fame, when you've got um, real high stakes, yeah. people are always going to be pushing and and chasing those, you know, those results. But I think that in general, who comprises sports? Probably 99% of people who do sports aren't professionals and I think that that's really where the focus uh needs to be 
supporting people to get into into sports and having those forming those social networks and I think it's only going to get better and better yeah. um, unless I've got you know no no and I think being involved in the triathlon community through being your partner I've definitely seen the diversity that it's brought Mm. you know shout out to Steve Foster and Team Barefoot who support Todd and really like the whole family they Mm. are like an extended family Mm. oh yeah I think uh yeah huge shout out to to those guys Steve has always you know been super helpful and supportive and a great friend of mine but I think man looking at triathlon as a sport for me it really epitomizes inclusion and I say that because even if you look at the world championships from it wasn't on this year from last year there was I think it was a above the knee amputee maybe the second ever or first ever in history he had no no like no legs at all and and he did the Ironman wow you know and he but and he's out there sharing of course with the professionals. Yeah. And with the people that do 17 hours and finish dead last. Yeah. And and to me, and then even... Um, Wasn't there a Down Syndrome? Yeah, there was syndrome? a Down Syndrome uh, man who I think was 21. Yeah, and that was and, recently, in the last I, few weeks. I, yeah, I can't remember his name, but it's acts like that, or performances like that, I should say, that are so inspiring because to have... What these people overcome to get to the finish line of an Ironman yeah. is a thousand times harder than what the general public need to overcome any pro even any pro yeah Yeah, absolutely and so seeing that really does show you what's possible because if i'm worried about doing an ironman because it might take me like nine hours ten hours or whatever man you know like this guy did nine man without legs yeah like what am i worried about yeah and how and i think that that that's really we're only going to see more of that as it becomes more accessible and even safer i guess because of the the aid stations nutrition stations the feed stations and the support that is available out there and i think lots of sports in general are moving towards that diversity and inclusion Mm. avenue and getting people involved in sports because the benefits that you and all our other guests have been listing they deserve those benefits too just from participating 100%. 100%. And that's, yeah, I think it's really incredible and really something special. 100%. Yeah. And so, you know, on that subject, where do you see the future of sport, Fiona, Fiona Stewart? Well, the whole, I guess, reason behind this podcast is to bring it maybe even to the grassroots and show that, yes, high-performance people do have these struggles, but there's the lessons that they learn but so do everyday you know age group athletes so do Mm. everyday people who run a park run and yeah I feel like it doesn't matter whether you're you know the Kona world champion Mm. or whether you have just run your first 5k park run Mm. sport can bring you the same benefits Mm. and I think yeah I just want everyone to be included in that and know that it doesn't matter how fast you run like I did a 5k fun run at the start of this year and it was a bit horrific (laughs) but you know I got traumatic would call it (laughs) people were asking if I was okay but yeah no like I got benefit from that yeah and by no way am I an elite athlete so I just Mm. feel like yeah sport should be accessible to everyone yeah and I think it should be promoted 
should be promoted, like it gets promoted a lot, but it should just be promoted even more to the general public and not even sports, but just movement. Yes. Because I, I can't remember who, who said it, but I really like it. It was that your emotions follow your emotions. Yes. So if you start your day moving, mm-hmm. whether it's going for a walk, whether it's going for a run, whether it's a swim or a ride or whatever, just move your body to start your day. Everything thereafter, that follows. That doesn't stop when that activity stops. That carries into the rest of your day. And that momentum carries into everything you therefore face throughout the rest of the day. And that attitude of, I'm starting my day with something good. Yeah. I'm now going to keep that mentality to every other issue or problem or uh, challenge that arises. I think that, you know, we can get a lot of benefit from just moving our bodies in general. Uh, And... Yeah, I think that should really continue to be promoted and and a a big thing. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Well, Todd, thank you so, so much for joining me at our kitchen table to record this podcast. I would like to add, I don't think I had a choice, to be honest with you. So, um, He had a choice of which day over the weekend to record it. Oh, it's it's an (laughs) honour. No, no, thank you. I really do appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on, Fee. It's nice to um, to be considered uh, valuable content, uh, even though I'm just uh, struggling away and uh, will continue to struggle away. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.